insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit, agency owner of Portal Insurance in Mobile, Alabama. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Can you do that when I get to my office every Hell morning? to the yes. I'm going to go in. We'll put Thunderstruck from ACDC on the radio, and we'll get we'll get that thing fired up over <laughs> there. We'll get people selling like it's Wolf of Wall Street over there. I think it was Woody Brown that, that said he wanted you to drive to Georgia and do that <laughs> exactly. every morning. Every single morning. Guys, I am excited to be in Mobile, Alabama today. Land of the free, home of the brave. I am proud to be here. I'm excited to be here. As Bradley likes to always say, I am a tornado when we get a live in-studio guest, and that is exactly what we have today. But not only do we have an in-studio guest, we have an in-studio guest that took the time, the energy, and the effort to fly halfway around the world, it seems like, from Chicago, Illinois, to Charlotte, North Carolina, to Mobile, Alabama. Guys, I am proud and excited to have our guest today. But before I introduce him, I want to talk a little bit about what the purpose and the mission is of this show. Our purpose on this podcast, our reason for living, is to help you agents in any way we can. Sales, service, marketing, digital, Whatever it may be, that's what we're here to help with. And Bradley and I want to say, and I'll let Bradley speak on this too, how humbling it has been. I guess probably since we got back from Elevate even, uh, I've been getting three or four DMs, emails, text messages from people who either have questions that they would just like for us to kind of talk to them about, or they want to just say thank you for what we've done on this podcast. And I will tell you, it is rocket fuel for us. It is very humbling to me to know that this podcast is going to be our legacy in the insurance industry. This podcast was way, way, way overdue. And since this podcast is inception, we have had A lot of different, really good podcasts come on board besides ours. And I feel like we were, you know, us and Jason Cass, I know Cass came on before we did, but we were kind of the leader of, you know, getting out there. And now it seems like everybody's got a podcast. Yep. And and it's, it's one of those things, you know, on the way, on the way to the studio this morning, I was kind of thinking about where all we've been, because, you know, like I, I actually thought back to the first episode we did which you cannot find. Right. It's not. It's not on there anymore. If you guys get go to look for it, it's the first episode. Because it, was it, it because it was terrible. Uh, Scott Scott was in Huntsville. I was in Mobile. We were six hours apart. He was recording on his end. I was recording on my end. We were going to match the audio up afterwards, and I could not hear him. Uh, we did a whole episode of me nodding my head. We we're on Skype, and. Uh, and I, and I thought about that, like, how in the world did those two guys do anything beyond three episodes? And kudos to Johnny Gwynn for, uh, you know, stepping up to the plate. And, and, I mean, he's kind of the brains behind the, the quality of the podcast, the structure, and, you know, allowing us to record here in his studio. Every good thing business-wise that has happened to me in the past two years can somehow directly be associated with this podcast. And that's not to thump my chest. That's to say how humbling it is for the insurance industry to accept us 
like they have. And somebody's about to start crying. So, yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. And, and the relationships we've built and the people we've met has just been, as I always say, guys, unintended consequences. You want to unintended consequences, start a podcast either in the insurance, about the insurance industry or the, the industry that you serve within the insurance industry. And I can promise you, you know, one thing I'll say about that too, Bradley, is the grit and determination. You know, they the number one thing you got to have in life is grit to keep going and going and going. And we could have easily stopped after the second episode that sucked. We, I wanted to so bad. I, I, I did too. And but w- through all the challenges and all the things that went wrong, we just kept moving one foot in front of the other and one foot yeah. in front of the other until we finally got to a point to where we both felt good about it. So thank you to the industry. Thank you to all the people we've met. Thank you to everybody that was at Elevate that came up and spoke to us and said hello to us. It meant a lot to us. Met a lot of really nice people and and met and- a lot of. And neither one of us felt like we should have went. You remember that lady? Like, you remember that lady? Of, we were standing yeah. in the lobby waiting to go to dinner, and we were waiting on three or four people. And she walks up and she goes, "Hey, are you are you, are you the guys from the Insurance Guys podcast?" And we said, "Yeah, we we are." And she said, "I'm starstruck right now." <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know why." <laughs> but but you know, and the thing is, like with Elevate, is I just opened a new business. I didn't need to go. Right. Like you're eight hours away, nine hours away. Like like we really both of us had so much stuff going on, we didn't need to go. But we just felt like it was the right place for us to be, and, and that proved true. I mean, we made so many good connections. And shout out to uh, to Sydney and Joey. Yeah. For, for having us there. It was, it was awesome for them to do that. So. Absolutely. Guys, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. I am fired up to have him on this show. Let me tell you how important this, this podcast is today. This podcast is so important that we are actually going to break this up into two or three different podcast segments. So you will probably see episode one or whatever episode that is will be the first segment, and then you'll see the next week and the, the next segment and then the next week, the next segment. So and then you have to pay to get the third. I'm kidding. No, exactly. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to make you pay $19.99 to get the third segment. No, I'm kidding. Guys, let me introduce our guest today. He actually grew up in Winneka, Illinois. And we're going to talk about what I'm about to say on the podcast here in just a few minutes. But he grew up right around the corner from the Home Alone house and the movie Home Alone. We're going to talk about that in just a second. He lives in Chicago, Illinois, and he's been a lifelong a Chicago Bulls fan, and by the way, I have a Michael Jordan story that we're going to talk about here in a minute, too. He is engaged to his beautiful fiance Jen. He's held previous positions as a senior social media analyst, director of media operations, and since 2015 has been a client solutions manager. He works for a little-known social media platform that you guys may know as Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the other incomparable Mr. Patrick Romy. How are you, Patrick? I'm doing great. Thank you, Scott. Man, and thanks for having me. Man, we are excited and proud to have you today. My expectations for this podcast today, guys, if you're listening to this right now, I have very low expectations for this podcast. And let me tell you why. Because what I want to do over the course of the next three episodes, two or three episodes, however many we get to, is the only thing my expectation is, Bradley, is that we completely change the insurance industry and create an entirely new economy for the United States of America. Don't you try to do that now, every episode? Those goals, in my opinion, are not very lofty. But I do want to change the economy of the United States of America, and I do want to change completely and entirely 
the insurance industry. Are you going to show us your here. tax returns? No, absolutely not. <laughs> that is not ever going to happen. So, with that said, guys, we've got a lot to talk about today and a lot to cover. But before we get to that, we got to get to the important stuff. So, before we came on air today, we're going to finish this conversation. So, my boy Romy here grew up right around the corner from the Home Alone house, and we just got into a five-minute conversation about what the guy, the dad from Home Alone, did for a living. Now, if any of you remember, I know everybody's seen the movie Home Alone. Nobody ever told, it was never told, what the father did for a living in that show, right? So, Romy, tell everybody what your guess was as to what he did for a living. Seven kids, 14-bedroom house, going, taking 462 people to Paris. What did this guy do for a living? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's a bit of a mystery, but... You know, I figure early 90s or late 80s. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Chicago guy, he's probably a traitor. Exactly. That was my guess. I'm about to tell you the funniest thing that you've ever heard in your life. So Romy says probably a traitor in Chicago makes perfect sense. And I say, you know, I've always imagined that he was an architect. And Romy looks at me before, but serious as a heart attack, did not break a smile when he said this. He goes... Yeah, but he was a little bit forgetful. <laughs> and I said, uh, no shit, he left his damn son at home and went to Paris. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. The garage it's, door. It's, what was it? It's like back in the, the heyday, you know, eight, nine years ago with online poker, mm-hmm. you'd have these guys that would play 20 poker games right. at one time. And and I had some buddies that would do that and always ask, like, man, how do you play 20 tables at one time? And you have them all pulled up on the screen. He's like, well, you know, if, if you have one, to add another one, you're doubling the effort it's going to take you to play that, right? The mm-hmm. energy. But if you add a third one, it's not as big of a percentage. Right. So to think of the Home Alone dad, you know, if you had two kids and you left one of them, you 50% screwed up. Sure. But if you had seven and yeah. you left one, I mean, you know. Bradley's rationalizing and justifying right now. <laughs> that checks out. Exactly, exactly. And my, the people so that Bradley, know me know me as a dad know that there is a 1,000%, 0% chance that I would ever <laughs> leave my kid anywhere. I'm like overprotective. <laughs> so Bradley, you're the only one that hasn't answered. Tell us what you think the dad did in Home Alone. I think he sold insurance. Do you really? That's the only way they could afford insurance on that house is if he was writing it himself. I never even... I, I think how, he sold insurance. How could I get on an insurance podcast and not even recognize that that guy could have been I think he sold insurance. insurance. Unbelievable. You might be honest so, something. I mean, so, salespeople forget everything. Absolutely. And he had he had to be in some sort of sales. So, anyway. Patrick, I got a question for Sorry, you. everybody listening. <laughs> Patrick, you are a huge Chicago Bulls fan. I, I am. I am. Now... Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met Michael Jordan? Yes, mm-hmm. but I was so young, I've only been told the story. So it, right, that sort right. of doesn't count. How old were you? I think I was maybe two. Okay. He was shooting a commercial in a park or would, something like that. And would you like to hear my Michael Jordan story? I would love to hear started? your Michael Jordan story. So, guys, for those of you that don't know, I get asked about six times a week whether I played college football or not because I'm a pretty pretty big guy and people will come up to me and they'll say, man, did you play college football? And I'm like, no, I actually played college basketball. I was a six foot three point guard. I was a pretty damn good high school basketball player as that goes. And I was a horrible college basketball player. Once I got into college, there were two things that I learned about. One was girls and the other was beer. And when you play at a very high level in college basketball, it's hard to to play at that level and, you know, chase girls and drink beer. And I did a lot of that. So, did you major in eligibility? Uh, p- pretty much, yeah, pretty much. So I played two years of junior college basketball, then transferred as a recruited walk-on at Birmingham Southern College, which was one of the biggest 
baddest NAI basketball programs in the country at that time. And I tell people this all the time. If you want to know how horrible I was at basketball, we won the national championship the year before I got there and the year after I left. So if that gives you any indication. So Does that burn you up? Oh my gosh, it owns me. So, <laughs> so in 1995, I had actually graduated and I was living in Birmingham, getting ready to go into the Marine Corps at that time. And I was living, a, a friend of mine from the really, really small town that I grew up in, his name was Ober Carter, was a really good basketball player too. And my the coaching staff there had asked me about him and I said, well, the one thing I can tell you about Ober and he was white but he was six foot six and he could jump completely through the gym like probably of all the kids I've ever seen he had the best vertical jump I think I've ever seen he could actually do the leaf from half court and leave uh, his foot behind the free throw line and dunk a basketball like Michael Jordan did in the dunk contest. I've actually witnessed him do, doing that. So kid could jump through the gym. Well, he, he got recruited by Birmingham Southern, and he played there. So he was there one night, and he called me about 9, 8 o'clock, and he said, hey, man, let's hang out tonight. Come on over to Birmingham Southern. So I got in my car, went over to Birmingham Southern. We drank a couple of beers, and he said, let's go out tonight. Well, Thursday nights in Birmingham are usually a pretty good night. It may have been a it may have been a weird night, like a Tuesday. Thursday. I want to say it was a Tuesday night because it was a weird night of the week. It was like one of those nights not many people are out. And so the more I think about it, I think it was a Tuesday night. But we'd had a few drinks and he said, Man, let's go out. I said, Hell yeah, let's go out. We're twenty, you know, twenty three, twenty one years old, twenty, whatever it was. And so this was nineteen ninety five and Michael Jordan was playing for the Birmingham Barons. He was living in Hoover and we went to the only club that was open that night, Clubby Club dance club called Senior Frogs in Hoover, Alabama. And we get there and I'm six foot three, over six foot six, and I still look like I should be playing basketball. And he is actually playing basketball. And we walk into the club and it doesn't take long before two girls come up. Hey, what are y'all doing? Let's go dance. And so, you know, we're at two, you know, young eligible guys and we go out on the dance floor and we're breaking it down, you know, tall guys Roger Rabbit so or whatever we're doing. And we're on the dance floor. And guys, this is a true story. This really happened. I'm not making this up. We're out there dancing with these two girls. And I look up. And and Bradley and I right now, as we sit here, probably, what, three feet away from each other? Mm -hmm. Probably three feet. And I look up. And Obra looks up at the exact same moment. And I'll be damned if standing on that dance floor dancing with some little girl from Hoover is freaking Michael Jordan. And... To this day, I feel sorry for the two girls that we were dancing with because their hair could have literally caught on fire and we would not have known it at that moment. <laughs> we were both so starstruck by seeing Michael Jordan standing three feet away from us, dancing, not just standing there, dancing. And so that moment, we, you know, we just lose all whatever we had in terms of couth or whatever, and we just walk off the dance floor to create this wily e. Coyote plan of getting to speak to Michael Jordan because, hell, he's right there, and we're here, and we play ball, and he's a basketball player, and we've looked up to him for so many years, but we didn't want to just walk up to him on the dance floor and be a complete douchebag, you know, and just be like, hey, I know you're dancing with a girl, but I, we need to talk to you for a minute. So we walk off the dance floor to create this wily e. Coyote plan, and he walks off the dance floor, and he goes over to a corner booth that that he was sitting in and there was probably six or seven girls around him and he had two cops with him 
two uniformed duty police officers. He didn't have his own security. He had, I guess the Birmingham police department must have provided that for him. So I said, man, let's, let's just go over there and talk to him. Let's just go over there and talk to him. This is a lot like insurance too, by the way, you need to just go up, just meet people, talk to people, sling business cards. So here's where Scott Howell screws up. Uh, I get about five feet away from him, kind of at the edge of his table. And there's one cop here and there's one cop over here. I did. I blew, I, as, as my friend, Friend and great American and business partner Clint Orr says all the time, I spill my candy in the lobby. So I walk up to this Birmingham PD officer and I said, Sir, and I, I go into sales mode, okay? I didn't know I was a sales guy then, but I was. I go into sales mode. I'm like, Sir, listen, here's the deal. My friend and I, over 6'6, by the way, he's as tall as Jordan is. I said, We both play basketball. We play college basketball. And Michael Jordan's a hero of ours. Could we please? Just step inside for just one moment and have a, you know, say hello to him and shake his hand. And he looks up at me and the greatest line of all time. He said, son, you got a big problem because you're the wrong sex to do that tonight. <laughs> and that is my Michael Jordan story. That is phenomenal. Yeah, but I did get three feet away from him. He was driving a candy apple red Corvette, and I think I actually saw that Corvette on the, I think it was a 30 for 30 they did on him yeah. playing right. for the Barons. Right. Yeah. And when he was in Birmingham, in some of the shots, you could see him driving around in this candy apple Corvette. And as I left that night, about an hour or two later, he was standing outside that vet, leaned up against it. Of course, Birmingham PD was still around him a little bit. It, and he was talking to some little blonde-headed girl at his Corvette. I don't know if he was giving directions back to the house or if they were he was getting the digits, but they were just standing there talking, and he was leaned up against his vet. Would have been a great picture if I'd had a cell phone at that time, but I didn't. So that's my Michael Jordan story. So guys, listen, today we've got a lot to talk about. Three episodes. I'm sorry I bored you guys to death with stories, but we're going to talk a little bit about trends we're seeing within the industry we're going to talk about an insurance path to purchasing research from Facebook and Accenture, advertising basics. Now, stop you right there. We're also going to talk about customer acquisition and retention strategies and some other things. But then we're going to get we're going to deep dive into episode two and we're going to talk about tactical strategies that insurance agents can use. Guys, I don't know that I could get anybody else on this podcast besides the guy that helps run the insurance team for Facebook that could talk any more about this any better than we can today. So before we get into trends in the industry, guys, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to get in the passenger seat of my DeLorean for just right. a moment. Go back in time, maybe at Santa Clara College, 7,000 undergraduates, 3,000 3, master's degree students, Jesuit school out in you Santa Clara, California. You had a really good California. research paper teacher, didn't um, you, in college? So I want you to go back to college and work your way up to today and tell us how you got from Santa Clara University to where we sit today. All right. So sitting in the DeLorean. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I made it out to Santa Clara really because growing up in Chicago, I was you know pretty sick and tired of dealing with winter and, <laughs> I don't and the cold. So I, I, had, uh, I had sunshine on my mind when I was applying to schools and right. I had tunnel vision for California. Both my parents actually went to Santa Clara and I had a couple of uh, legacy a couple of my siblings that went there as well so a a few visits when i was in high school and i was i was pretty much sold so i went out there and um you know being uh in silicon valley um and you know making friends in college and just kind of building out that network when i graduated it was actually a friend of mine who had uh just accepted a job to twitter she had graduated a year ahead of me and she said hey i'm about to go take this job at twitter 
my job at the current company is uh, is open, and I you know basically am on Facebook and and help businesses um, advertise on Facebook. Mm. And that was a company called TBG Digital. So I thought that sounded pretty good. Um, I can stay in the Bay Area for at least a little while longer, and uh, moved up to San Francisco, and and that's really how I got my start into. Um, into social media marketing, which, mm. you know, at the time was really, uh, it's fine to think back on it now, but this was when, this was before Facebook was a public company. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really desktop based. Um, and what, you know, I was consulting on at the time was, you know, how businesses could help make their ads that were on the right-hand rail mm-hmm. of the homepage <laughs> stand the part, out. The part that everybody excludes now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we, it's, it's funny to think about now, but we're, you know, advising businesses on, you know, the different color borders you could have on your images and how short to keep your ad copy that, you know, could only be 90 characters anyway. So it's come a long way and it's been an adventure to kind of be on that journey from the beginning. You you probably have a really interesting perspective because you remember the ad platform when it was either non-existent or super, super basic, maybe both, to transform now to today where it's so robust that... Facebook's almost having to back off of it a little bit. Yeah, it's it was basic. It was sometimes broken. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's I mean, it's amazing kind of just thinking back, you know, seven, eight years now, what the uh, platform has become, what tools have come along with it. Thinking back then, the value proposition of the company that I was with, TBG right. and, and other ones thereafter, where they had basically built technology on top of uh, Facebook's platform through mm-hmm. an API. And so that allowed um, businesses and teams like mine to more seamlessly mm-hmm. advertise across Facebook and eventually other platforms like Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. Over time, Facebook has, um, that platform has gotten so robust that I think you see a lot of the API partners, so mm-hmm. to speak, they're really starting to focus in building on uh, totally new add-on experiences right. rather than the back end type. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it creates this whole kind of amazing ecosystem where you get all of your your basics, right? Your fruits and vegetables on on mm-hmm. Facebook, and then right. if you want to get all the additional sweets mm-hmm. and whatnot, you can get that through uh, some of these technology partners. So as an employee of Facebook, and I've I've always wondered this. One thing you'll know about me. As I'm asking you questions, I'm not asking them as Scott Howell. I want to put myself in the position of the other 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this program right now and and talk about the things they want to hear about. And sometimes I'll ask you to dumb things down because I'm, I barely scratched eighth grade and I'm not very smart. And I, I know that a lot of times I hear things and I'm like, I, don't, I didn't understand what he just said. So I may ask you to, hey, let, let's... Uh, Let's simplify that a little bit and put it more in layman's terms. Yeah, but please do. A couple of things I wanted to ask you. So from an employment standpoint, do you work majority of your time at home? And I'm interested in this from the insurance digital agency concepts that we've talked about where you have agents working from their house and everything instead of having the traditional storefront. But as an employee of, of Facebook, and how many employees are there at Facebook? And I should know that, and I don't. I, I knew it last week, and now it's escaping me. I, the latest number is over 35,000. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. So 35,000 employees. Do you go into the Facebook headquarters every 35, day? 35,587. Gotcha. So, so do you go into the office, the Facebook headquarters every day, or are you working remotely from home, and you guys are doing a lot of stuff via like webinars and Zoom and things like that. Are you in the field? Yeah, are you in the field every day? 
each week looks different, but on a typical yeah. week, if I'm in Chicago, um, I'm, I mostly go into the office, the, but I think we're fortunate as um, employees that Facebook sort of has a mindset of as long as you're getting your work done, wherever right. you need to get it done from, that's okay. So right. we do have flexibility. I'd say if, you know, I'm my personality, I enjoy being in the office. I enjoy interacting <clears throat> with others on my team and see what other people are up to, you know, that work across the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I also enjoy being in the field. Sure. There's a, you know, a day or two that, you know, I need to work from home, right. but, um, yeah, fortunate to have that flexibility. Do too. you have any interaction at all with Zucks, or you just is it like monthly report goes to him on what thirty five thousand employees do? There's <laughs> weekly one on one. Weekly, yeah. <laughs> Employment review, employee review time. Come on in, Patrick. Um, no, uh, which is understandable. I mean, my goodness, not he's only got, yeah, he's got a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of things on his plate. Yeah, more employees so. at Facebook, double the employees that are in the town that I live in. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, uh, I'm sorry I can't meet this week. I've got to go before Congress kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, we, I, I heard from him last week. We, uh, once a year have a, uh, a summit where they've, you know, fly in people from our, our global business group, right. uh, into San Francisco. He had been in front of, uh, I think, some regulators uh, or, or government officials in Europe. Sure. So he had flown directly from that and had a, uh, kind of an hour-long Q&A session with our team. So that's typically the time um, that there's any interaction. But, right. you know, I'm in a room with 6,000 people and, sure. um, you know, right, n- right. not getting all of my questions right. necessarily exactly. out. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So, so let's talk. Let's move into trends that we're seeing right now in the industry and within Facebook as well. I think the way to start this, let's talk about trends that we're seeing specifically as it relates to the insurance industry on Facebook. Yeah. What, what are you seeing there? Where I always start is, you know, I think there's, you know, you certainly have traditional carriers, you have agents, um, you have direct carriers, you have kind of this new wave of insure techs. And I think across kind of all those different uh, cohorts, we see that all of them are really recognizing that mobile is this really important platform, not only to build your brand, but to interact with customers, to Because that's where everybody's new- at. Exactly. And so I think, um, you know, this this isn't necessarily something that started this year, but it's it's taken a, a few years. And I think we're continuing to see a trend this way. It's really the embrace of the mobile device and mm-hmm. starting to think about what does it mean to build a business on a mobile phone? Um, and I think that means a lot of, of different things, which, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll go into. But, you know, even just sitting here, uh, before we started recording things around like, you know, stories all of a right, sudden. Right. Stories is a format that, you know, has just exploded and uh, continues to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you start thinking about things like messaging right. and having that one-to-one interaction, but being able to do that um, in a more scaled way and mm-hmm. what that can mean for businesses. So I say it's a, you know, insurance industry trend, but it, it's honestly, it's also a trend across businesses, uh, mm-hmm. both large and small. And I think it's it's really understanding the potential that comes from, you know, embracing uh, mobile and, and technology that can help grow businesses by, you know, automating right. repetitive tasks and and those types of things. So, you know, it's it's interesting. And I think, you know, you and I had, we had dinner in Miami at Agent 2021. I think we talked about this, or I know the group collectively did, is, you know, the insurance industry as a whole, and it starts, I'm not talking about the agents, it starts at the carrier down, um, is kind of behind overall compared to other industries. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that, that insurance is the most behind, but 
you know, you're talking about, you know, everyone going to mobile platforms and, and things like that and the importance of it. I mean, I know, I know, I know carriers that don't have an app. And, and so it, is it, so there, there's a book I read called Better and Faster. I, I've talked about it on the podcast and basically it's about identifying trends. And, and what the author talks about is, you know, he grew up in a town similar to where we are now, like Mobile. It's kind of a metropolitan area, but things move a little bit slower than they do in areas like New York and Atlanta. And what he would do is he would go to areas like New York and Atlanta and spot trends before they get to where he's doing business at. So the fact that the insurance industry is behind, is it, do you think it's an advantage from your perspective for you? Or is it a disadvantage in that the way I look at it is I can go talk to this carrier and talk about the importance of an app and they're like, oh my God, this is the best thing we've ever heard. Or is it, good God, I have to explain to this guy why he needs an app. You know what I mean? Is it, 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 mm-hmm. You probably get a little bit of both, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think there's, um, I think it's definitely a bit of both. And uh, I think, you know, thinking about reasons why, you know, in our conversation in mm-hmm. Miami, why it might be behind. I think when you, when you look at other industries, say, you know, some that are more digitally native, right? So e-commerce, or if you're a gaming app, um, shopping experiences, they have really strong signals from digital and other platforms as to what's working. And mm-hmm. it, they're, they're, it's critical for their business to be able to adapt and react to that. That said, I think the sort of path to purchase, right, when you're shopping for mm-hmm. shoes, it's pretty straightforward. Um, insurance is a lot more complex. So True. regulations aside that you guys have right. to consider and the carriers right. have to consider, which obviously is playing into um, uh, a part of this equation, but it's complex for a few different reasons, right? So it's generally a decision that's made pretty quickly, but it's also made in tandem with these bigger purchases that you're making, whether it's a it's a home or a car. So I think uh, given that it is hard for a carrier or an agent um, to be able to necessarily identify who's the right person to get you know your message in front of and when's the right time to to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of all of the, and I should I would be remiss not to mention, right? It's not all happening online, you know, and not and not the majority is happening online. It's trending that way. right. Um, but there's many different ways that people are shopping for and buying insurance. A lot is still happening with the agents. A lot is happening on the phone. Yeah. More is happening direct. So so my friend and great American, Mike Stromso, has a great saying, and I'm going to repeat it for the 15th time on this podcast. Everybody's you, rolling their eyes right now because exactly. they know what he's about to say. Yeah. If you want to reach 100% of the marketplace, you've got to be in 100% of the places that your people are in. So that kind of goes along with and what And people you're are on Facebook. They I are. Mean, Everybody. It, I mean, from, from uh, you know, 14, 15, well, I shouldn't say that because that is the one segment of the population that when I personally do the unscientific Scott Howell polls of where kids are. Yeah, they're not on Facebook. They are not on Facebook. <laughs> not yet. A kid, not yet. You, mm-hmm. My son is 12. He's got 12, 13, 14-year-old friends. And you say the word Facebook and they're like, hey, we don't do Facebook. But it's but, just because their parents. Are but there. you get you get up into that twenty five thirty year old up to my mother's age into the sixties five seventy eighty year old people those son of guns live on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, and I and, and as as Mike was saying, if you want to reach one hundred percent of the marketplace, you got to be at one hundred percent of the places people are. And I think that's a little bit of what you're saying right now. And is, he and he touched on it yeah. is you got to hit them at the right time at the right moment during Absolutely. that buying cycle. Talk a little bit about the research that you guys have put into that 
path to purchase. Yeah. So we did some research that we published last month. It's it's you can find it online if you go to uh, you know Facebook for Business. It's a report called "Understanding the Journey of the Connected uh, Insurance Consumer." And it's basically just, you know, taking survey data to understand, you know, what are the factors that uh, play into someone discovering uh, insurance options, uh, both auto and property, um, evaluating them and, and purchasing them. Um, and I think it, it's more or less, you know, data that's validating a lot of what, you know, we mm-hmm. already know, right? So the purchase decision or the, the purchase cycle happens very quickly. And I was actually pretty shocked with some of the numbers, um, considering that, you know, over 60% of consumers are making a decision less than a week. So when you think about that from, you know, a business standpoint, from a marketer standpoint, that's a pretty tight window of time to be able to figure out when's the right time to to reach that person. And and I just want to get it over with. Yeah. And and had you asked, and had you asked me that question before you read that, I would have said, I think the typical consumer in terms of home and auto insurance, probably makes that decision in a three-day window. Mm-hmm. You know, but from the, from the time insurance and, and here here's the other thing, guys. Two hundred fifty thousand agents listen to this. I say this all the time. I tell this to my agents all the time. What we have to understand as insurance agents is all we think about is insurance. We do it twenty four seven, three sixty five. It's either on our mind or about to be on our mind, or we're right in the middle of it during the day because we're doing it. Our customers, our members, our clients, they aren't thinking about insurance until they need insurance or as the CEO Mm -hmm. of Nationwide said one time, they get jostled because of something, whether it's a claim experience or I just bought a new car. Those are the times that those people are thinking about insurance. Mm-hmm. While while all of us listening to this podcast right now, we think about insurance all the time. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, why the hell isn't everybody thinking about insurance? So anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I no, just want to No, it's a, it's a great point. And I think that was, you know, one of the key takeaways from this research was that, you know, given that this is, you may have three days or, right. or a week to be able to identify that person, it really underscores the importance of getting your business out there, getting your, getting your brand out there and right. making sure that, you know, when someone is in the market for insurance, that you'll be top of mind when they're, when they're ready to buy. So speaking of trends in the industry, I'm going to throw this out at you. You are now part of a team that is focused solely on the insurance industry. I'm going to assume, okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, the reason that we have a team at Facebook working solely on the insurance industry is because the agents around the world that are doing marketing and advertising, which is a lot, are spending millions of dollars on Facebook advertising to reach potential customers. Or either and, they're not spending it on advertising well, well, or they're but not it, utilizing but it. It would seem to me that your team would grow at Facebook as revenue grows and whoever is up in the ivory tower at face at Facebook is saying, Hey man, we're getting a bunch of revenue off these insurance agents. We need to grow this division of our company. Am I right about that in terms of a trend? Our team covers the industry as a whole. So, Absolutely. you know, the carriers and their brand marketing campaigns, right. as well as agents. And I think to your point, Scott, I think is our partnerships with the brands, carriers and, and agents alike has continued to grow. It's allowed us to invest in, you know, more headcount. So we have more people on sure. the team, but then also uh, roles like myself, where I'm solely focused on helping to support 
support the agent community, whether that's captive agents or independent agents, right. to really consult on what are ways that they can be using platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Messenger for their for their business. And I'm excited about that. And and as you as you are in that role and you're assisting and I think one of the beautiful ways that you're assisting those agents is to be on a podcast like this. Absolutely. Where you've got and, tons of agents listening to this. And and one beautiful thing about our audience is we're one of the only podcasts that has both captive and independent and we have carriers that listen. Absolutely. So, and vendors yeah. and you know so, the works. So. so tell our agents out there, I mean, Listen, I understand you can't give your cell phone out on air. And, and, you know, if Joe Smith in Walla Walla, Wisconsin has a question about Facebook advertising. Is that he, a real place? He doesn't. I don't know. Washington. It, it, yeah, right. Yeah. If he has a question, he needs, you know, he can call Patrick. But what are some ways that insurance agents that do have questions and, and in terms of the research that you're doing and ways that you're helping the, the individual agents out there, how can they connect, not necessarily with you, but learn more about what you guys are doing on that team? Yeah, it's a great question. I think this is one of the areas I'm most focused on. Um, today, if you're an insurance agent or if you're you know, a, a business owner of, of any sort, the best resource, single best resource you can use is uh, called Facebook Blueprint. So this is a e-learning um, site that has you know over 100 different self-paced courses, and they're very digestible. It's about 15 minutes each. Um, and they really range from if you're just getting started with Facebook and you know want to figure out how to set up your page mm -hmm. uh, to some of the more advanced topics. And it's it's right. a beast. There's a lot of in it, info in there. It oh, is I a know. beast. So I don't think there's any um, there's any business that needs to um, knock all of them out right, by, right, by right, any right. stretch. So you want to pick and choose which ones make sense for your business. Sure. Um, in addition to Blueprint, if you have a kind of more specific question, mm -hmm. we have our Facebook Help Center mm -hmm. um, where you can go in, you can search your specific topic, you'll see you'll see answers from the company, but you'll also see some kind of more Q and A based um, forums from from actual users. Right. Um, but I say I'm focused on this because I recognize that you know it can be a little intimidating, it can be a little bit confusing if you're an agent and you kind of have these two boilerplate more or mm -hmm. less uh, help resources. So we're really committed to uh, building more industry-specific, um, agent-specific resources. We're starting to shoot some educational videos that mm -hmm. will be speaking. It will be me awesome. <laughs> speaking directly to agents. So and me introing on each one of the videos, <laughs> ladies and that's gentlemen. What, that's what you guys talked about in Miami. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we were down. Um, we're we're finishing up the first couple of them, and we're figuring out when we'll uh, when we'll publish them and and uh, be producing more. But I was down in Austin and had hair yeah. and makeup in the, in the whole works. Work. That's so, cool, man. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. But I think, uh, I think you know, where, where it, would, it's where needed. Would it, where would an insurance agent, I, I'm assuming those have not been released no. yet. Is that right? Not yet. We're, okay. uh, we're in editing. But where, where would an agent, let's say you're in Denver, Colorado, and you're a state farm agent and you want to go watch those videos, where would they go to see those? Sure. I think we're, we're figuring that out, but I think the idea is we're going to create a um, educational content hub that'll be specific for the industry. Ooh. So Guys, you're learning new info here right now. <laughs> Hot off the press. And any help that Scott and I can can give you guys pushing that out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you said an educational, did you say tab or, or something? Is uh, a hub. Hub, okay. Yeah. So a, a site that we could um, uh, that right. we could send out and share out. So I know you met Michael McCormick, Taylor Dobby down at yes. Agent 2021. Great guys. Bradley. Uh, love those guys. They're, they're friends of the show, and we appreciate all they do for the industry. Uh, they have a program. I'm sure you probably got into an in-depth conversation about that. 
do you see that as another way for agents to drill down into Facebook advertising is through something like that where they actually go purchase their course and learn more about Facebook advertising and how to do it correctly? Yeah, those guys have uh, have extensive resources. They have a really impressive library of content. Yeah. And I, I would say if, you know, if you're an agent that is sort of hungry to learn more and you want to take that initiative, I mean, look at all the resources that you have available. And I think resources that those guys have are definitely worth worth checking out. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike was, uh, was, was showing me a couple months ago and I think he must have been scrolling for five minutes with how many courses there were. It was right. it was really impressive. My, yeah. Mike's knowledge from a from a uh, marketing standpoint is not not just Facebook. From a marketing standpoint in general, mm-hmm. not only is is his knowledge extensive, but he kind of nerds out on it. Right. Uh, he this is a funny story. He and I were having uh, dinner in, in Miami the second night, and uh, I ordered cheese mm. on my quesadilla. Mm. And he said, you want to hear a story about cheese? It was, this, this was a marketing play. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I love it. I like love the, it. The farmers had too much milk, and they had to turn it into something. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit about insurance path to purchase research from Facebook and Accenture. Let's talk a little bit about that. I know that was one of the topics we wanted to cover in this episode. So uh, your take on purchasing research from Facebook, what do you, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I think you know building on the idea of how uh, challenging, right? It can be to identify. All right, this is the right person to get the right message in front of, and it's the right time. Um, I think what this uh, research did a nice job of is really highlighting what are ways that millennials are maybe different, right? It's mm. than than previous generations, Gen X, baby boomers, and uh, and, and how are they different in sort of each phase of the you know purchase funnel, so discovery, evaluation, and, and eventually purchase. And uh, there are there are a couple of takeaways uh, from that research that I thought were really interesting. Um, the first being that millennials are actually, and I guess this isn't maybe that surprising, but it surprised me. Millennials are actually more open to. Uh, carriers, agents, more insurance options than previous generations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really interesting opportunity when you think about it and you think about you know building your brand, getting your getting uh, your name out there. Why do you think that is? Are you speaking about less loyalty? Are you saying where right. previous generations, well, my dad had State Farm, so I'm going to have State Farm. They're more wide open and like, hey, well, I'll just go with whoever's got the best price. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I, I don't think it's necessarily all about price, although that that is an important factor. I think it's a convenience thing. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of the more holistic relationship yeah. that you have with the business, and I think uh, I think generation generationally, what a difference is 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 uh, millennials are are open to uh, new ways of thinking, new ways mm-hmm. of having relationships with business, and I don't think that's insurance or insurance specific, right. but we're seeing that within uh, this research and in, in, in insurance as well. My next question is this. Do you have research available or numbers to back up when when an insurance agent, any insurance agent, goes out and advertising advertises through Ad Manager? I'm not talking about boosting a post, and we can talk about that a little bit too. But when somebody goes to the Ad Manager and they and they they know what they're doing, they've got great copyright, they've got a great ad. Bradley's a great example of this. He does some great stuff on Facebook. Me, not so much. But when they go do that. And they get a lead from Facebook that through Messenger or however they get it, and they 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 they're then turning that into a quote and then hopefully binding that policy. Is there any research out there right now of a demographic that 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 is most likely to be 
someone that they that they that they can reach and that will that will come back to them and get a quote? Is there any of that kind of information out there? Because the reason I ask is because insurance agents are spending all this money on Facebook ads. A lot of them are having success. Uh, you know, McCormick and those guys talk about that. People that use their program talk about having success. But it seems to me like once that person comes on Facebook Messenger and says, hey, I'd actually like a quote on insurance, is there a way for Facebook to kind of quantify demographically? The reasons why demographically? Well, the reasons why, the age group, the, the, the income level, is there any, is there any way to, to quantify that from, from your standpoint? Yeah, I think this sort of scratches the surface on a um, really important um, sort of discussion, right? So I think part of the uh, power of Facebook's platform is all the different tools you have to be able to target right. different audiences. Um, and I think, you know, that you know that allows you to, to narrow in on a specific audience, but it's, you know, you still need to sort of experiment and understand, is that audience actually translating? I may think I know who the best demographic is, but is that demographic actually translating into business? And I think we see uh, the most successful businesses are doing a good job of measuring, you know, what happens after the someone sees an ad or what happens after someone uh, clicks on that ad. Mm-hmm and is using that information, feeding that back into Facebook. So there's kind of this continuous right, loop right. Um, to help our system work harder for your business, if that if that makes sense. It does. It does. I, I guess my question is, though, do you have specific data associated with demographics that people or, you know, for, for instance, every insurance carrier in America has a homeowner's product, right? Right. That product. If for you the most t- part. It, well, most of them do. A lot of them do. So every carrier has product people that design the rates for that particular insurance carrier. And as part of that algorithm, they pretty much know who gets their best rate, right? right? And here's the other crazy thing about that, and it's why it's why so many insurance agents, and, and I hear them, you know, people will call and they'll say, well, just give me a ballpark rate. Well, that's almost impossible to do mm-hmm. because especially if you're an independent and you've got three or four or five companies yep. that you write through. Just throw a number out. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> like, one may love 65-year-olds with a 700 credit score, and the next company may love yep. – 35-year-olds with a 650 credit score, and, and those rates are all kind of over the board. Uh, my question was, is there is there demographic information that as an insurance agent, if I target a 65-year-old female with a 750 credit score, you know, it, it, is that the most likely individual to come back to me and say, hey, I want to quote? I, I'm going to answer that, and then I want you to tell me how right I am. My, my guess would be no, because – the the advantage and the disadvantage to insurance is everybody has to buy it. Okay. Everybody has to buy it. Therefore, every single demographic segment at some point is ready to buy insurance for different reasons. Right. You see what I mean? So no, it's, I, I do. It's probably hard to quantify that. Yeah, and I think from uh, I think you're right on, and I think from from my perspective too, um, you know, from agent to agent, business to business, um, probably what the most high value customer is probably looks a little bit different and mm. and from a consumer standpoint what they're looking for might look a little bit different right i think a lot of the um topics today right around you know making sure that you have personalized messaging and you have you know you think about some of the mark uh, the messages that are in the market like liberty mutual mm-hmm. has a new 
campaign out there. Um, I believe Allstate has similar messaging mm-hmm. around you know getting the coverage that works for you. Right. Um, or you think about progressive not having your parents' insurance, right? right. So, um, and I think I answered my own question too, guys. Because yeah. here, here's I think how you do that as an agent when you go to target people on on Facebook. You get with either the company you represent, if you're a captive, or an independent, and figure out who who are the people we want to reach. Who on Facebook that we could reach within a radius of our office is the most likely to have the best rate if they do come back and say, we want a quote on insurance, and target that particular individual. So I think I kind of answered my own question when I asked that. So continue what you were saying. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I, I'm actually. I was going to build on that because I think uh, you know, without going too deep in the weeds, what what you're what you're getting at, I think, is uh, an, an important and pretty advanced strategy um, that I think you know agents would be eager to hear. You know, Facebook certainly has a lot of um, information that we get from you know people's profiles and what people are doing on Facebook. Um, but there's still it doesn't replace the information that that businesses have sure. and know about their own customers. So I think we see a, a couple of different ways in which businesses are using their own data to sort of inform that right. targeting on Facebook, and that and that's where I see uh, the most success happening yeah. um, for well, agents and carriers alike. If you're going to target 65 year old Brenda who has three cats and is widowed for insurance, that's my market. The message needs to be written for her. Right. It doesn't need to be, hey, dude, you know what I mean? It's got to be written towards that person. You know, what I see with a lot of agents, uh, and not just in targeting, I mean, in their branding and mm-hmm. Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere, it's they either go too narrow with the audience and too broad with the message or too narrow with the message and too broad with the audience. Right. I can both. see that. Something interesting I'm looking at here, I'm looking at this report uh, that you mentioned, uh, Understanding the Journey of the Connected Insurance Consumer, and we will link that up in the yeah, show notes absolutely. because it is super informative. Um, and I'm going to go on sort of a rant. You know, everybody, somebody posted in IAOA the other day something about brand, and I commented, and I was the first comment and disagreed with with what the person was saying. I understood the point, but I disagreed with it from how I operate. And it was around brand. I'm not going to go into what it what it specifically was about, but the person said, "Well, I knew you were going to be the first person to comment <laughs> when I said brand." But you know, I'm all about building my brand, building my agency brand over, above, and beyond the carrier. You right. know, I, I tell new agents all the time. You know, you need to use that carrier brand right when you start. If you're a Liberty Mutual agent or a State Farm agent or an Allstate agent, to gain leverage, especially if you're brand or not leverage, but legitimacy, especially if you're brand new in the industry. But over time, you need to separate yourself from that. What makes the insurance guy online? special mm-hmm. separate from nationwide right. because if you don't do that what separates you from every other nationwide agent in the country so one thing on here it says it says the survey revealed that 56% of auto insurance shoppers say they are loyal to a, a particular insurance brand and 83% say they only initially consider one to three brands now here's the thing uh, what all of our captive agents listening are going to think is well we got that brand, like, well, no, everybody's not going to consider right. the same three brands, which is why in your community, in your small little pocket of the United States of America or the world, because we do have an international audience, you need to brand yourself in that area. Thankfully, uh, luckily, uh, our agency, brand new agency, was able to get appointed with a really, really, really good carrier that everybody wants. And we're super excited about it. We've already written a lot of business with them. They sent me a nice big carrier plaque in the mail the other day. Not going to lie, it felt good. 
I picked it up, I put it in the drawer and shut the drawer. And my CSR, who's worked at an independent agency in the past, and you know every independent agency, you walk in there and there's 8,500 carrier plaques. All Nothing wrong with carriers, nothing right. wrong with carrier plaques, nothing wrong with agents that do that. But I told her, I said, I don't want people buying insurance from XYZ Insurance Company. I want people buying insurance from Portal Insurance. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, th- I think this this says perfectly why you need to build your brand in that when your your 20-year-old clients now are grandpas, they're telling their kids, hey, you need to buy insurance from Scott Howell, not mm-hmm. Nationwide. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Um, it just struck a chord with me, so I had to. So Bradley and I have a little difference of opinion here, guys. And as I always like to say, as Patrick's I always, in the middle of us. As I always like to say, why can't both be true? Absolutely, and I and I, and I do and I do believe that. So for those of you that don't know this, and I don't think there's anybody left that doesn't know this, but in July of 2020, Nationwide Insurance has made the decision to have all of their in, their three, four, five thousand, however many there are exclusive agency force is going to go independent. Mm-hmm. Most 95 to 99% of those people, there's one option that you could choose this year in July of 2019, but the 95% of agents will go independent in July of, of 2020. And for myself, I have made the decision, as I think a lot of agents will, that we're going to continue to be a nationwide insurance agency. Uh, we're we going to continue with a brand we're going to continue doing what we're doing. And, and I'm going to tell you exactly why. And I think it's one of the struggles that the independent agency force has always faced. So on my way down here yesterday, I had a five-and-a-half-hour trip down here. And I spent that time listening to the Wolf of Wall Street uh, on Audible, his book. And I can't remember the name of it. but every, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, I think. Well, everybody in America has seen the movie The Wolf mm-hmm. of Wall Street. And he has a, a, a straight-line system approach to sales. And in the beginning chapter, chapter one and two of that book, he talks about this. And I think it's one of the problems independent agencies have always had. He says, you know, what you want, if you have a continuum from zero to the number 10, that that you want three areas when you first speak to a client, potential client, prospect, you want to get as high to a 10 as you possibly can. And if you can reach the number 10 in all three of these areas, more than likely, 99% of the time, somebody's going to buy from you. So the first 10 on that continuum is the actual product that you sell. That that product, the homeowner's product, you want to very quickly build rapport with somebody and you want them to trust that product that it's going to provide the value and it's going to do what it says it's going to do. And the higher you can get on a 10 to a 10 with that product, you're in good shape, right? The second thing is the person that they're dealing with on that phone or on that Facebook message. Number two rule, higher you can get to that 10, the better chance you are that person selling you. Because an objection is not an objection. It's not an objection at all. What an objection is, is somebody doesn't have enough confidence in what they're about to purchase, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lack of confidence in the purchase that you're trying to get them to make. So first is a product. Second is the agent themselves. Do I have confidence in you, Patrick, that you've got my best interest at heart and you're going to do what you say you're going to do? But here comes the third thing, and it's why we're going to continue to be a nationwide insurance agency even after the merger or we go away from from being an exclusive agent. And I think this is a problem that the independent channel has always had. And if they want to hire me for $6.7 million, I will change this for them. But until the big eye does that, I'm unwilling to do that. The third part of this, 
got to get to a 10, guys. You got to get as high to a 10 as you can. And if you can get here on 10 and you've got 10 on product and 10 on agent, this is going to carry you over the finish line. They have to trust the company that you represent. Why does Scott Howell and iProtect Insurance want to brand the iProtect name and, 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 and the iProtect logo when I've got a company that most people around America, and, and not only this, this company has spent since 1928 billions and billions and billions of dollars marketing as a trustworthy company and hired Peyton Manning and hired Brad Paisley running millions of dollars worth of television advertising. Why do I want to try to go out and, and, and market the brand I protect insurance that nobody knows? I guarantee you if you walked into the front of a Walmart in Huntsville, Alabama and stopped 300 people and said, do you know who I protect insurance is? 297 of those people would say, hell no, I don't know who the hell that is. It's some independent insurance agency. Walk, go walk up to the front of that same Walmart and say, hey, I got a question for you. Do you know who Nationwide Insurance is? 300 out of 300 people. And 250 of those people, you know what they'd do? They'd go, Nationwide is on my side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to go out and spend the time, energy, effort? You talk about a long play. Shit, I got to catch up to 1928 and and fifteen billion dollars has been spent since then to market that eight that that name. So on that third platform of that continuum I talked about, the straight line system, Wolf of Wall Street. I want to keep that nationwide brand because I'm already ahead of the game. And, and I think that's one area that independent agents have always been behind the eight ball because when the consumer, the prospect, calls or, excuse me, gets a call from an associate agent at State Farm, they're already up to a 10 or maybe an 8 unless somebody's had a bad claims experience or something happened, which does happen from time to time. But they've, they, they're already up on that continuum because the person they call, the first thing they're hearing is what? State Farm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a brand we trust. That's a brand we know. That's a brand that spends billions of dollars a year, a billion a yep. year on, and, on advertising. And I, I don't disagree at all, but I think you do have to be mindful if you are going to use that big brand name right. that you have no control over, you have to be mindful that you do need to separate yourself from a, in a brand perspective. And I think it segues nicely into you know, creating awareness for your business on Facebook. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about that. Absolutely. I don't disagree with anything that, that you had said there. And I think, you know, it, it reminds me of, again, going back to the research, I think uh, it's, it's about those moments where, you know, there's a consumer that is considering a couple different options and maybe it's a nationwide or a state farm. So, you know, how is your agency mm-hmm. standing out? And honestly, a lot like a conversation you'd have with somebody who walked in the door and, and kind of explain, you know, your your business's story. They're mm-hmm. they're clearly in the market. They're interested in, in hearing from you. So, um, but I think to to pivot back to just sort of the, the branding opportunity, it also goes back to, Scott, what you said earlier about um, meeting people where they are. Yeah. And... Sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Bradley's... <gotta> Bradley. <laughs> Um, meeting people where they are and, um, that is, it's, it's on mobile today. Right. Um, Every, everybody has their, their, and I tell, I tell agents this all the time, guys, listen to me. Every human being that you interact with, including preteens have a phone surgically attached to their arm. It is the new television. 
it's it's our most personal device. Uh, you know, it's not just a phone. It's all of a sudden the internet. It's how we're connecting with friends and family and, every day. It's and and Patrick, guess what's on their home screen when you when you turn the phone on, okay, and the home screen comes up. What what apps are on that phone? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. Those are the four or five. And if you're an older adult, probably LinkedIn. There's really a handful of those what I call mothership apps, one of which you work for, right? Yes. That, that are on that home screen. Yep. Um, both Facebook and Instagram, part of the part of the Facebook family, um, as well as Facebook Messenger, if uh, if you use that as a messaging app or, or WhatsApp, um, which is a little bit more popular internationally. Right. Yeah, I think it, it's important, you know, not only because, you know, it's, it's again, where where people are spending their time, but it's also offering businesses a totally new way to be able to um, interact with people right? and uh, make it more personalized and, and um, you know, be able to use data and different signals uh, mm-hmm. within this digital, digital ecosystem to be able to understand where someone is, um, you know, on their journey, whether they're a current customer or prospective right. customer. So let's go back. I want to talk for just a second. Since Bradley's not here, we can talk. We can, we can get real in here now. Let's get real. So, so Scott Howell owns an insurance, three insurance agencies, North Alabama. Scott wants to buy research. Okay. We, that's one of our topics today, research. How would I, I I don't know a lot about Facebook. I know enough to be dangerous. Uh, I'm probably not even enough to be dangerous. But um, how how would Scott or another agent, if if they wanted to buy research or you know through Accenture or Facebook, how how would they go about doing something like that? Well, the good news is our research is is free. Okay. Um, so we have a uh, website called uh, Facebook IQ, mm-hmm. um, where all of that content, all of the research that uh, we commission from others or we conduct ourselves, uh, we share that finding um, with businesses um, and, and make it available to help them kind of see, you know, what we found and, and you know, what our advice is for, for marketers on the platform um, and what they can take from those insights. And, and what kind of information would be on there for an insurance agent like myself that I might find interesting, helpful? What types of things might be on there? Yeah. So, um, you know, in addition to kind of the research that we talked about, it's more around like consumer purchase mm-hmm. decisions. Um, that's going to be true across a couple of different products or verticals. Um, there's a lot of research just around, you know, what people's attitudes and perceptions are, what they're talking mm-hmm. about on Facebook. So you think about, um, you know, what are ways that marketers or businesses could take uh, advantage of seasonal moments? So mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, the holidays or right. it's uh, maybe event around like the Super Bowl. Um, we're, we're also able to pull some insights and share, you know, what are the conversations that are happening um, on Facebook mm-hmm. um, around those specific events? Gotcha. Another area that I think is, is helpful for um, businesses is understanding the kind of role that um, Facebook and Instagram, these platforms can play or even just the phone can play with other devices or, mm-hmm. or, or other marketing channels, whether that be the interaction of Facebook and television together or Facebook and search, Facebook direct mail. Um, those types of insights are, are available as well. So, so tell me uh, in terms of creating awareness, and I know Bradley said, let's, let's jump into that. I want to I jump into that for just a second. So I'm no different than the other 250,000 agents that are listening to this. 
what is the best way that you see on a daily basis? Because you're you're crunching numbers, looking at data. It is, and I'm going to make an assumption here, and you can tell me I'm wrong. Again, eighth grade education, but you know, to me, and I've always said this: video is king. You're right about that. Uh, video on Facebook. There is nothing that my mother's friends would love more than to see me and my little English bulldog on Facebook. <laughs> they absolutely freaking love it. So, so in terms of creating awareness for I Protect Insurance, a nationwide company, by the way, agency, or or Portal Insurance, give give our audience some meat and potatoes real quick about what you see in terms of what works the best on Facebook. Yep. So uh, I think you're you're absolutely right that um, video is really important to think about. And, and the reason being is as technology gets stronger, as, um, you know, things like 5G start mm-hmm. to right. um, be built up, that's going to support video experiences. And we're seeing that people prefer to consume video. I think that's a big reason why stories has taken off as a mm-hmm. format, right? It's full screen. It's it's primarily video. And you know it's not going to take up a lot of your time either. Exactly. You're able to communicate very quickly. And, and that's... What's uh, the average length of time on Facebook that someone actually, you know, we're all busy. We don't have time to watch a 45-minute Facebook live feed. But what's the what's the, what's the the average time when somebody will watch something if it's interesting and that's another key, is, which is hard to do unless you're creative, mm-hmm. to get somebody's attention. But how long? How long do I have before they go? Shit, I got something. I got to go pick up the groceries. I don't have time for this. I don't know if I have a stat off the top of my head, but I think you hit a really important point: is that every uh, everyone on Facebook, Instagram, business or or person is competing for attention, right? right. So everyone's time and time. Uh, in these newsfeed experiences or stories is is finite. So every piece of content that's in there is essentially competing for someone's attention. So I think the kind of benchmark that we that we use is, you know, if you're a brand and you're thinking about communicating your brand story, how do you get your brand and message across even as quickly as three seconds? Wow. Because people are scrolling through mm-hmm. their phones pretty quickly. And we've actually And the volume's usually off. So in terms of what you say, what's you got to have it, captions. It, it, yeah, captions are important. Yeah, what you say if they're scrolling through their phone like I do like 30 miles an hour, you may never they may never hear what the words are that you're saying, yep. but they could stop if it's an English bulldog with a with a pink tutu on uh, you know, balancing a golf ball on his nose, right? I mean it's visually appealing. Absolutely. Right? So I would uh, stop for that. But yeah, no, I think, you know, we... Can he do that? No, not yet. Okay. I'm training him to do that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you bring up a great point where um, advertisers need to be thoughtful about designing for sound off. Right. Um, because most people have their, their phone off. So well, the CEO, we, Bradley and I were at uh, the Elevate conference a couple of weeks ago. And the CEO of the, the the last speaker on Monday, he threw up some statistics on Facebook, right? One of the oh the the, uh, the Wista guy, Wista, yeah, he's like the CEO uh, of Wista, not yeah Nottingham, that was his name. And he said that only, and I, I don't know how true this is. I'd have to go back to my phone because I actually took a picture of this. That only something like five percent of Facebook videos actually get listened to because 
the sound is off until you stop and click it, and then the sound will come on. Does that sound about right to you, that 5 to 10% of videos are actually being listened to? It sounds slightly low, but yeah. I but I think the majority of videos, to the overall point, are, are sound off. So, right. you know, if you're trying to sort of maximize the impact, right. you want to be able to communicate your message to someone who has their sound on or off, right? right, right. And so uh, things like captions or even even using, um, you know, graphics or supers to kind of overlay text onto your video, right? Those can be really important in making sure your message is being uh, consumed and someone can understand what you're trying to communicate. I think the other big thing that we think about, and uh, again, it's, it's a new muscle for people, mm-hmm. is we say design for mobile, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, when you think about traditional digital ads that are on mm. the internet or you think about other ad formats, they've typically been like horizontal images. Mm. But it, it, you know, whether you're advertising or not, it takes, it costs just as much, it takes just as much effort, right? To have your uh, photo or video uh, render uh, vertically. So it takes up actually more pixels, more space on your phone, giving. Mm your business more real estate right. uh, on someone's most personal device and so that you can really kind of own someone scrolling through that that news feed. So, so help me out here. If I'm an agent, I don't want to buy $10,000 worth of camera equipment, so I'm just going to use my phone, which is still, I mean, amazing that, quality. the better way to do it. Absolutely. Would I turn the phone sideways or leave it, leave it you know, uh, vertical? Ver- vertically there. Yeah, vertically. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the main point behind that is most people that are going to be seeing your post, mm-hmm. they've got their phones vertically too. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's co- sort of the behavior that people are used to uh, consuming content on their phone. And so how do you maximize the real estate? How do you maximize the ability to communicate uh, your message? Um, it's it's uh, You're going to get more out of your um, you know investment, whether that's time or whether that is... Um, right. advertising dollars out of a piece of content that is vertically oriented and, and uh, shows up larger on the phone. And, and how, how important is the copyright in terms of what you... This is... Um, it's a big variable. Yeah. It can be a big variable, but I would I would and say... guys, when I say copyright, I'm talking about the heading, what, what your video is about. What, what's that tagline? written. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. yeah. My two cents on this is... Because, again, you're trying to capture attention. You're trying to capture attention. Um, Gary Vee does a fantastic job of that. I would say not to lose focus on the visual components mm-hmm. of your ad because both Facebook and Instagram, they're highly visual platforms. So I would focus on, you know, if I was just looking at that photo or that video and didn't have the text around, would it still stand on its right, own? Right, And then the text can be complementary to that. Exactly. It can add more context. The video itself, the content itself mm-hmm. is your stake. Right. And the text and the headline is kind of the the parsley, the 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 trimmings that make it look that much better. It's because so, it, it, the thing is, is is the best copywriting in the world. It's going to elevate the worst content a little bit, but it's not going to make up for it. The right. best content in the world, it doesn't really matter what you put on the headline. It's more than likely going to work, including eating stinky fish, including eating stinky fish. Yeah. <laughs> So I've got a question for both you and Bradley. Bradley, you need to you need to jump in on this because I think you I think you're the guy for this. We're going to talk a little bit now, guys, about retention strategies for for insurance agents mm-hmm. on Facebook. I have some ideas about how to utilize Facebook for retention strategies of existing customers, clients 
Tell me, tell me your thoughts on it, Bradley. How can you use Facebook to help with your retention and your agency? I mean, I, I think from a from just a pure branding standpoint, I mean, I want my current clients to see my videos as much as I want people who are about to buy from me. Right. You know, I think constantly people constantly having that reminder of, you know, hey, that's my insurance agent. Yeah, he's the one that puts out all that content. And, you know, having uh, – I, I love – you know, having this small little audience of, of 30 to 40 people that engage with every post that I do and having a large percentage of them be current clients. Right. You know, because they're like, well, I mean, and that's one reason why I'm not scared to put out content on Facebook. People ask me all the time, like, you're putting out content about strategies to help other insurance agents but yet you've got people who who might want to buy insurance. Why aren't you marketing to just them? Well, I'm not scared for my potential prospects or my clients to know that I'm helping other insurance agents with marketing right. because in my mind, and I could be completely wrong, but in my mind, that's going to make them want to do business with me. Right, right. Because, so, you, because you position yourself. Again, step number two of that straight line system, you as the agent, you, you start getting closer to that number 10 because you're viewed by your current customers as an expert in the industry. And I've actually seen a little bit of bump in business from my agency because I think some of my agents, I know one of my commercial agents actually uses this podcast that, hey, we'll go, we'll go up against anybody. My guy's got a nationally recognized podcast. What you got? You know, right. that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, I, yeah, and I, I see that. Uh, and I think, I mean, there's obviously there's ways to do it. You know, we can target some folks and things right. like that. And, you know, I've, I've got a, a strategy in my head about targeting people at Renewal. I think that would be kind of cool, you know, or right. or say, you know, people that don't have auto and you target them for home or vice versa. You know, obviously the, you know, for for an audience like that, you're, you have to have a lot of data in order mm. to be able to target them effectively. You know, I can't just I can't just take three people eat with their emails and, and do a custom audience and target. Yeah, I have to ask. I mean, you can, but it doesn't right. work as effectively. Well, what, what do you think about that from a, or what do you think from a customer retention standpoint? Yeah, I, I know you guys have talked about custom audiences quite a bit on this mm-hmm. this podcast, and I think uh, that's a a great starting point. At least mm-hmm. if you're thinking about using Facebook and, and Instagram as an additional channel and Messenger for that matter, um, as a way to kind of enhance what you're already doing, whether that's you know phone calls, text, mm-hmm. email. But I think like people want to hear from their agents. They want to be hearing from, mm-hmm. you know, even carriers, right? Um, right. When, after they purchased insurance and they want product recommendations. They want to get updates on value-added services. Even just periodic, periodic check-ins mm-hmm. um, is something that they're looking for. And so I think, you know, there's the, there's the benefit that you have of uploading a custom audience as a way to reach this very specific narrow audience of your customers Mm -hmm. um, on platforms that they're also likely spending time on um, to, again, complement things like mailers and and email. But I think there's also ways that um, you could get creative or, 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 um, uh, you know, interesting uh, with your strategies, right? So it's, you know, one thing to upload a list of everybody and then you're treating every customer the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, you could get creative thinking about what are ways to segment those customers mm-hmm. and to give yourself the ability to demonstrate you really understand their needs based on you know what your relationship is with them in the business and, and make sure they're hearing from you. Can I go back to something you just said that sure. really kind of struck a chord with me? So is it possible, and I'm asking on behalf of 250,000 insurance agents, one of my goals this year is to, at renewal of every policy we have, 
have one of my CSRs in my agency assigned to go out and take my username and password on Facebook and get into the Facebook program when she gets in the office in the morning and go out and find that person because everybody's on Facebook. I mean, the, the, the number of people that aren't on Facebook is very small, right? Even even like older people, like old you know seventy year olds are on Facebook, especially those people. So what I want what I want to do is get them to go out and each day, you know, let's say we have 10, 15, 20 renewals that day. Go find those people on Facebook and ask them to like our business page, and then start posting content towards prospects, but also for our existing customers. You know, it could be things like Alabama Auburn football tickets or. You know, it could be anything. Is there a way for me to just upload my entire client database on the Facebook and then ask through that database to go like our Facebook page without going through that trouble? Is that possible? I'm I'm just asking. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think uh, on the surface, you know, upload. Bradley, you may know the answer to that too. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, up- uploading your your customer base through uh, custom audiences is certainly doable. The way that we that that product specifically works is it sort of, you know, it takes your list, mm-hmm. it matches who we can also match on the Facebook side, it right. ignores everyone we can't, and it creates this sort of shell audience mm-hmm. for you that's comprised of just those people. Wow. Um, but for privacy reasons, we don't necessarily tell you who exactly is on that list right. if you want to market specifically to them. Right. Um, so you could you could upload a list you know, tell people to, to like your page, tell people that you have, you know, football tickets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, or whatever. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah it, could or, be, or, it could be anything or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the example of, um, being able to identify the 20 or 10 people that have, uh, renewals that day, mm-hmm. uh, that might be a little bit trickier. And, and mm. my advice would be, um, you know, maybe taking a, a step back and saying maybe it's not the 10 or 20 people that have a renewal that day, but maybe there's value in reaching them, you know, in the weeks leading up to their renewal. Right. So it's, you know, top of mind for them. And, Stay, exactly. Yep. Stay, staying in front of them. And that's really what I meant from a branding standpoint is staying in front of them that way that, you know, they feel confident that they have their insurance with Scott. Right, 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 right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to do that. Again, why can't both be true? I think no, exactly. I think exactly. for myself, as I'm going independent here in the next year, uh, I, you know, I want to keep that nationwide brand because it's such a strong national brand. So is State Farm. So is Allstate. So is Farmers. These are these are brands people know. But but conjointly to that, I think I think it's I think it's probably as important, if not more important, to also brand myself with personal branding and Bradley Bradley can, and I could sit here and have a 50 minute conversation on that. And and everyone doesn't have the wherewithal or the want to to do that. And if right. you want to default back to that, not saying you do, I'm just saying, right. you know, John Doe, whatever XYZ insurance farm right. <laughs> mutual agent out there, you know, they 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 might be comfortable just defaulting to the carrier right. brand and are you going to lose some clients to the fact that people don't know that you're different from the other guy down the street who represents the same company? Absolutely. Right. But are you going to pick up some clients because of that that name recognition? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think why can't both be true is absolutely important. Absolutely. Um, so last topic. Before, and, and on the custom audiences, we're going to deep dive into that absolutely. in the second next absolutely. segment. So Last topic of the day before. And, and guys, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to end this podcast today 
with, with a little bit of a teaser for you guys because in the next podcast, Scott is going to change the United States economy. He is going to change Facebook and the insurance industry forever. And uh, I want to leave you guys. So, so there was a topic on here that I actually skipped over, customer acquisition. Now, uh, Bradley, if you want to put me on Facebook Live right now to say this, you feel free to. So I have, I have left off one of our topics in our first segment here, customer acquisitions. The reason I've done that, guys, is I'm going to tease you for just a second. In se- segment two of this podcast, Scott Howell is going to change the United States economy. <laughs> he is going to change Facebook forever, and he is going to change the insurance industry forever. And I look forward to that. I look forward to the revenue from that and how much money that my family and I are going to make because we're going to make more money. Uh, Bradley and I and, and some other people that are going to be involved in this are going to make Oprah Winfrey money. And uh, I will probably have my own helicopter and be flying around the Bahamas after that. But uh, I, I, we're going to talk about that in segment the beginning of segment number two. So I hope you'll go to that episode and listen to it. But the last thing we're going to talk about today measuring impact with a Facebook pixel. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like whatever that is, I don't know what that is. I don't know what a Facebook pixel is. I do know that that is a part of some of the courses that I have heard about, uh, just the very brief knowledge I have of some of the courses that you can buy and, and I hope it's one of your videos that you do down there that 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 you go through. But go ahead and talk a little bit about Facebook Pixel. Yeah, it's definitely on the roadmap of videos because it's it's an important topic. Yeah. And I think just from a very high level, um, for businesses of all sizes, Facebook is committed to making sure that any dollar that you invest with Facebook that you're getting you're maximizing your your returns off of. Right. And one of the most important tools to be able to do that is the Facebook Pixel, which Le- it, links to your website, does it not? It does. So, uh, a face the Facebook Pixel is a snippet of code. Guys, you need to be writing this shit down. <laughs> Write this shit down. It's a snippet of code that you put on your website, you know, same type of code that you would use with Google or or other other types of uh, right. similar services. But what that effectively does is allow you to understand what is happening after somebody is seeing your ads on Facebook or Instagram and help you quantify the impact of your advertising efforts. Mm. So, for example, that pixel can live on your homepage. Right. And you can understand how much traffic you're driving to your website. You could also have the pixel differentiate how many people are starting a quote with you. If you have an online quoting service um, or quoting application, it can help you understand how far into the quoting application somebody mm. is making it mm. and, and potentially help you identify where are, their, where are people dropping off, where are their right. points of friction to help you make uh, smarter decisions about you know, your website or, or different ta- tactics. So what that's also doing beyond just measuring, you know, how many people are, you know, taking actions on your website as a result of seeing ads, it's also enabling a couple of other um, important tactics. So one of which being being able to retarget people who have visited your website. So not only are you capturing the amount of people, but you're able to create uh, custom audiences based on the pixel so that you could uh, remarket to someone and understand, hey, they're they're likely in the market. Maybe it is the right time um, to get the right message in front of in front of this audience. So that's an important um, strategy. And then I think the other one that I would touch on is and going back to kind of using data to help figure out who is that right customer at the right, right. time. There's another tactic that's linked to 
the pixel called lookalike audiences. Mm. So I've heard Bradley talk about lookalikes. They're highly effective. And one way that you can build a lookalike audience is modeling or creating that audience based off of who's visited your website. Mm. So um, it's a product that we have where um, we effectively are looking at any type of what we call a seed audience. That seed mm-hmm. audience can be people who have visited your website. It could be a customer list that you uploaded. That's coming from a the pillar. Pixel. That's a ca- pillar. That's coming yeah. from the pixel too, right? Yeah. Is that is that pixel yeah. in, taking that data? Is that because the the pixel that that the code that's on your website is allowing Facebook to see who's visiting that site? Is that right? That's that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So the pixel is enabling us to see. Um, you know, who's taking actions on your website and allowing us to match and say, are those people on, on Facebook and, and were they exposed to ads from this business so that you can have a, um, clearer understanding of, you know, what is the impact of, of your advertising efforts? So I've got one right now. Um, I did an announcement video, the new agency, Mm -hmm. and this just came up in the last few days, which is why I'm bringing it up. And we got probably 10 to 15,000 views on the announcement video. Awesome. So I'm like, Hey, here's my big piece of pillar content that I can take this audience and then retarget them through a specific ask. So off of that, I did another video um, targeting people who watched more more than a certain percentage of that video, um, which is I essentially done through the pixel. And, uh, and it's basically me saying, hey, you watch this video, want to see what we're all about? Click below. Sure. And then from there, I did another video that's like, you know, hey, are you tired of this, this, this? And 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 you know, talking about pain points. Are you and, tired of your yeah. agent only representing one company? That's actually exactly what call it says. Portal Insurance <laughs> so, today. We've got choices for you. <laughs> so anyway, so and then, and, uh, then, and then to every uh, captive agent in America, that's like that's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, hearing that, I, so. I had one attack me on there, but it's okay. A buddy of mine, and I have a workout group. I work out with fitness friends. Shout out fitness friends on Sunday mornings, and. A buddy of mine was, he was like, he, he holds the phone up. He's like, this damn video shows up on my timeline every single time I click the <laughs> Facebook app. And I'm like, you're in that funnel, dude. That's I was right. like, I got you for 180 days. That's it, man. It's like, it's, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep. It's going to be gonna like the, the Arizona next. heat, baby. It's never mm-hmm. going to stop until you buy insurance yep. from And, and I had a, another guy comment throwing some, some hate my way on one of those videos. And I'm like, that is like the worst thing you could have done because now you've engaged with it. And now you're going to see, yeah. hey, you, you just started the clock over again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Peanut butter and jealous. Right, right. Yeah. Well, guys, listen, I'm going to close this thing out. I hope that uh, everybody listening to this will stay tuned as Scott Howell changes the entire United States economy and the insurance industry as we know it as of today. We're about to get into session number two of this podcast. And as I always say, get your ass out from behind that desk and go out into the big bad world and sell insurance today. Guys, listen to me. You need to understand Facebook. It's where people are. Am I saying it's where 100% of the marketplace is? No, but it's where a bunch of them are, and it's where a bunch of people that, that would buy insurance from you are. And I think the more that you understand about Facebook advertising and lookalike audiences and pixels and all these other things, the more likely you are to run some really creative ads that, that actually work and bring people to you to buy insurance. And that's the name of the game. Guys, listen, I've told you this before. 
the yellow pages is now in the Smithsonian Institute. I showed my son, a 12 year old son at yellow pages the other day. I said, what's this? He said, I have no idea what that is. 10, 15 years ago, we were all about trying to buy full page ads on yellow pages. Those days are over folks. Facebook is where your clients are at and you better get on the train and learn how to do it. But we're about to go into session number two, where Scott changes the insurance world and the U S economy. As I always say, get your ass out there and go sell some insurance today. Make money for your family, for your wife, your husband, your kids. Write good business for the agencies that you represent. Write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Appreciate you. Thanks, Patrick. Patrick, I love love you too. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. It was a long journey, but it was worth it. Definitely. Guys, guys, have a great day. We'll see you back here real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.